Greetings, and welcome to the 80-Level Roundtable Podcast. In each episode, host Kirill Tokarev invites video game industry leaders to talk about the world of game development. No topic is off-limits as long as it relates to video game development. New episodes are in the works, so remember to follow us or subscribe and share with someone you know will also enjoy the podcast. Hi guys, welcome to the 80 Level uh, Roundtable. Uh, here today with us we have Aaron Sims Creative. Um, could you guys maybe introduce yourself very quickly and uh, tell us a little bit about your company, what do you guys do and um, what are you working on? Uh, yes, of course. Um, yes, I'm Aaron Sims. I'm the uh, founder uh, of ASC, uh, Aaron Sims Creative. Um, we are a design visual effects uh, company. Um, I have been in the industry since the 80s doing makeup effects, uh, making monsters uh, from the, the 80s horror films like Evil Dead 2, From Beyond, uh, 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 Fright Night, uh, Elm Street movies, thing, things like that, fun stuff. And then into the 90s, into visual effects, uh, working for these guys like Rick Baker, Stan Winston, um, some really... Uh, you know, big heavy hitters, uh, and um, and then started my own company in uh, Aaron Sims Creative in uh, 2005, and uh, started you know kind of got out of the effects uh, industry a little bit and jumped right into uh, more of a design company to start with, and then we've evolved back into the effects house uh, and kind of do a little bit of everything, and now we're uh, focusing on our also our own IP and creating our own movies, books, and video games. Um, but that's pretty much me, uh, Tyler. You want to introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, my name is Tyler Winther. I'm the head of development at uh, ASC, Aaron Sims Creative. Uh, I, I joined the team to, to help uh, build out our original content. Uh, prior to ASC, I was working with, uh, with teams at uh, Universal. I spent time at Sony, uh, did a little stint in management uh, at Management 360. And, uh, and yeah, here, here I am. So uh, Aaron and I have, have uh, been, been working really hard and coming up with you know some great original work for the for the for the company. We've done a lot uh, in in a reasonably short amount of time, uh, so we're we're very proud to be able to share some of that today, uh, and, and and talk more about kind of what the future holds for us, and and uh, you know more about the the work that I believe that 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 you saw initially. Uh, I think uh, we we put out a, a teaser trailer for one of our originals called Dive. Uh, which seems to have uh, been getting a lot of attention lately. So, yeah, we look, we look forward to uh, you know sharing more over the course of this podcast. Cool, thank you so much. Um, so, guys, uh, we did a little bit of research uh, on the website, of course, and before the podcast. And you have this cool concept, uh, which is like called from sketch to screen. Could uh -huh. you talk a little bit about that? Like, what does that mean? And uh, maybe also touch on how did this change over the years because you guys have been around for i mean in the industry it seems like since the very inception of the industry and just keeping the company running for the last like 25 years um how did this idea of sketch to screen kind of change like what were the steps before and what are the steps now that you need to undertake yes of course uh so yeah, sketch to screen really represents the idea of uh, co concepting the idea, working closely with the 
directors, the writers early on uh, and designing what that, that story, that, that, uh, that project, that world that you're going to create, um, either a film, TV game or whatever it may be and, and designing it. So it's called, you know, sketching it and working it all the way through, you know, understanding the, uh, the importance of what the final result of what you're actually going to deliver in the end, whatever that may be, TV, video game, or movie, uh, that, that you're designing it uh, early in the early days, knowing what the end result's going to be. And that, that would seem in a lot of ways like it's, it's pretty standard, but it really isn't. You know, it's, and it used to be like the old days of films, um, they did, uh, you know, they really worked out what the film was going to be early, early on before, you know, going into production and then realizing and edit that they have to go back and redo uh, their movie in a lot of ways because it didn't work because it didn't plan it well. That's what we try to avoid uh, in our process, which we call sketch to screen is just this, um, you're really planning the movie out uh, and through uh, with the creatives and the uh, director and the, the writers uh, by designing what that movie's going to be. Um, and so how that's changed for us too and how it's evolved uh, is that now we have really incredible tools like Unreal to be able to create these, uh, uh, not only the designs, but but early days and even doing previs, but understanding how that's going to work throughout the entire production. And we're, we're uh, exercising those muscles right now with uh, um, our project called Dive. Uh, many others too that you know that are more on the studio base. That that is ones we can't really talk about. But but Dive is one that we can actually, since it's our own IP, our own project, um, we're we're able to R and D and test this this process with this new medium in a lot of ways. This new uh, software, um, semi new software, in the in the sense new in the sense of how it's being utilized. Yeah, you actually kind of preceded my next question because I wanted to learn why did you guys decide to kind of start embracing more of the real-time VFX workflow and what are the advantages that Unreal kind of gives to you that other software like the more traditional VFX pipeline doesn't give? I mean, maybe like the immediacy of it, right? So that you can see the result immediately at the at the render and you don't have to wait that much. So what would you say, and you can, we can talk about like dive and like what was your experience using Unreal for that? And what advantages did you get in terms of like maybe speed, uh, iteration process, all that stuff? Yeah, no, there's uh, Unreal. Uh, we started using Unreal um, uh, a couple of years ago. We were doing a lot of uh, uh, virtual reality and augmented reality and uh, cinematics and so that was you know i my background being an artist a sculptor a painter and also traditional um designer um uh and has, has been working in the industry doing effects for my entire my entire life for the most part um you know found that when i saw that my colleagues and everybody uh, uh that we were working with in our own team that were actually how they were using unreal I started to, to, to just be curious about, you know, what if we could take this to a new level? And then, uh, like, I think a lot of people, I get inspired by other artists and other people, what they're able to do. You know, like my, my industry, the why I'm in this industry is because of inspiration of um, uh, artists and filmmakers. Um, and I think that when I saw some really cool results in Unreal that were being done, and then I saw what our team was doing. I, I thought, well, it's time to, for me to explore that with my, you know, my team and, and really push how far we can take this to, um, to use it as a 
final product, not only like just for VR or AR or games, but for a final VFX, because the biggest problems that we actually had in the past and where I got frustrated with visual effects in general is that is the, is a time consuming um, process it takes with the amount of people that have to create something and then the wait, the, the waiting is the worst. And then the big thing, what we see, uh, the advantages uh, of this is is the, the actual, yeah, the, the real time um, aspect of it, but also just giving the, the director, the filmmakers, the writers, everybody a, a chance to look at what they, they're creating with us uh, in real time and be able to change that in real time and not wait and then say, well, we ran out of time um, in the traditional way of doing visual effects and just committing to it and, and being unhappy with it. But you had no choice because it took too long and it cost too much money. Yeah. Um, so, so that's just a, a little bit into that. Uh, did you have anything, Tyler? Uh, yeah, I, I think like one of the f- most kind of miraculous things that uh, that, that I experienced, uh, you know, watching Aaron had kind of ad- adapt Unreal to a filmmaking pipeline was uh, was we were going back and forth on this one set piece. You know, we, we built out an environment, and uh, you know, we were going to do like a like a screen share. All, all yeah, which remote. looks amazing, by the way. I mean, uh, just to kind of give a background, we yeah decided to do this podcast after we kind of studied the environments on our station. They, they look crazy. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. Fantastic. Yeah. To, to, to that, to that point, uh, you know, when we were kind of building it, we could do a screen share remotely into completely different places. And, you know, traditional filmmaking would have been, you know, you built the set and you, you prepped it all months in advance and then you show up and you go, Oh man, you know, that, that, you know, in the case of dive, let's say for one of those tunnels, like, you know, that rock face isn't quite war- isn't quite working. We're gonna have to take like two days to rework it. Instead, it's like, ah, could we shift that a little bit? And then it's like, oh yeah, no problem. You know, a little rotate and scale in a matter of seconds and a few clicks. And all of a sudden your environment's exactly how you saw it in your head. And the lighting adapts, it's all real time and it's great. So like just that process, just from a creative standpoint, it's just so invaluable um, and allows you to iterate so quickly and, uh, We've just it, it's it's difficult to kind of you know for for the certain type of project right especially for us because we create pretty imaginative worlds and for that process um, being able to iterate quickly and to have stuff respond really quickly as well is just amazing for the creative process you know you kind of really get to have fun again and almost go back to the way things I think uh, Aaron can speak to this. Uh, in a, in a great way, really go back to the way in, in many ways that filmmaking used to be. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's it's like a new tech which allows you to be very hands on and very creative. Yeah, I think like another thing that kind of is striking about Dive is that it's very realistic, right? So it doesn't look like it was done even as a CGI, it looks like very believable, right? And it's super important to have that when you're doing something that is not like a cartoon or even a game, but it's like a film, yeah, absolutely. right? So I'm wondering if you could kind of elaborate, like what are the main tools, kind of like main features that helped you kind of build on that realism? I mean, maybe there you were using a lot of like mega scans, maybe you were using some other tools, like I don't know, like Substance Painter or something. Like what are like the tools in your basket that allow you to kind of build this stuff and look at like it's like it's a photo. Oh, that's uh, I'm glad that you uh, 
you think that because that was definitely what we were achieving or trying to achieve. Um, and I think it's still early days for us. You know, those are those a lot of the stuff that we've shown so far is just our R&D phase of uh, working in engine for um, the final look of, uh, of a cave, you know, for our exploration for a movie and then the underwater. Um, and Megascans is, has been a part of it. I think that the what Megascans has has uh, really pushed us is is to look at how they set up their um, their um, their shaders, the textures, how it's utilized um, to optimize what you get uh, based on scan data. So definitely, there's there's bits of that in it, but the majority because we couldn't find in Mega Scans any real true cave um, uh, scans. There's a lot of great rocks. There's a lot of landscapes. There's uh, all kinds of great stuff. So I started doing a lot of investigating online. Uh, of what what's available scan data for caves and um, um, and I found a few different uh, resources that actually was able to find that actually is true scan data of, of caves and stalactites and stalagmites and and they're just pieces uh, of it they're not like a full cave so we had to creatively put those together and make them work but but that's kind of I think the the the, uh, the the principle behind our our the way we're going is there is a bit of creative build you know that we're doing. Uh, on some of the stuff like the ruins that we're creating and some of the other stuff that we'll, we'll have in the film and the creatures are going to be created from scratch. But then a lot of the stuff that you want to be familiar and is real, and there's no reason to build it from scratch when you can get scanned data. Uh, and there's nothing that's going to look realer than scanned data. So, And the good thing is Unreal is able to take this information and with its ray tracing ability and lighting, you can really represent like what feels to be a real environment, which is what we're what we're trying to achieve so um so that's great i'm glad that you uh you you felt that it was it was looking um very real yeah it seems uh, it's it does seems that way i mean it's, it's it looks um i mean at least to me it looks very realistic right so and it's funny that you mentioned like scanned stuff because it seems to me like it's probably one of the biggest advantages of like that artists are using in modern tools Right, not only in terms of the way that it helps to kind of render real realistic image, but also because it's faster, right? Because mm -hmm. I yeah. think like maybe five, seven years ago, if you were to do something like super realistic, like a video game like Crisis, you would yeah. need to hire maybe I don't know, like a, a, a whole floor of people just using ZBrush to kind of like render the texture that you want, right? And now you have all those tools at your kind of at, at your hand, right? And in, including scans, right? Because yeah. photogrammetry really changed it and kind of democratized. Because I've been doing a little bit of a research, like for some other project, and it's basically cutting the production time in half. And this was like four years ago when when Dice was playing around with it, and it seems that now it's even faster, right? Because you can upload on a light, you don't even have to go and do the pictures yourself, right? So do you guys most rely on stuff that you can purchase online and kind of play around with it and iterate? Or do you actually go like on this expedition somewhere and try to take pictures and build it yourself? Well, I think, you know, for our first R&D, it was definitely uh, finding what we could online and purchasing uh, scan data. Just as, it's more like to just see what, what is it, how does this work? before we hire a team to go out and do it and say, is this worth it? 
uh, or do we have to try a different approach? Now that we've actually done that, we actually, for Dive and for a lot of our projects, future projects, we will be hiring, you know, we will have teams that go out and do photogrammetry uh, to create exactly what we need, getting us exact data. Um, but I, I think exactly to your point, it's, it'll, it will uh, save us money, save us time, um, and we'll we'll have a lot more creative control based on uh, the fact of you know on you know you, where do you spend the money? Like when you have a project, you spend it building something that you can actually just go out and do photogrammetry on, or uh, or spend a bunch of hours trying to make that look real, and it still doesn't. So I think that that's what that's what this you know the technology's really come a long way, and there's so many great tools even for like you know, uh, that's, that you can get that almost anybody can do phone, phone, photogrammetry, you know, really easily. Um, so it's, 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 it's exciting times for us to be able to, and then have a tool like Unreal that you can just go out and do a scan, bring it in and then see it and then move around the camera. You know, wow, I feel like I'm there. This is, this is exciting. Now I can start making my movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, about Unreal, so you also mentioned that you are using a lot of the lighting tools that Unreal provides, and um, here on 80 level, we really like um, to talk about like underwater lighting and the caustics mm -hmm. and all the other stuff. So could you talk a little bit about how you're tackling with that? Because it seems like a whole different beast when you're trying to light environments <laughs> that are underwater and there's yeah. like stuff flying in the water and everything's kind of have to do shadows and stuff. I mean, I, I don't even know how you guys approach that. Yeah, that's, you know, we're doing part of, you know, everything that we do um, in, in our design process, visual effects or anything in general, um, looking at uh, a lot of real reference is so important. So, you know, doing a lot of research on how does water react? You know, what is it when you're under it? You know, how do you, does, how much refraction do you see when you're above it looking down through it? Um, and what are the, you know, the caustics that are, you know, shimmering through it, how, you know, how best to approach that. And then there's always like, you know, bits of debris, especially if you're, you know, um, that's, that's part of, you know, uh, this, this, uh, this kind of environment we're creating too, is that by adding particulates and adding uh, debris, create even more volumetrics, uh, and give you depth, uh, more depth than, um, so it makes for a very cinematic, uh, um, uh, visuals, which I think are very exciting for us as, as uh, filmmakers and also just for this project. And then how we're actually uh, approaching those is really taking advantage of, you know, all the tools that Unreal has. Uh, now Ray Trace is, is a, uh, you know, really um, implemented quite well in there without really, and if you use Ray Trace, because Ray Trace can be, uh, um, it's, it's one of those tricky things. It's still new days uh, for uh, Unreal as far as the development goes of how to optimize it. Um, but definitely using it for lights uh, is important. When we get into other things like, you know, beyond that, like uh, global illumination, uh, uh, you know, and some of that, it can be taxing, you know, to, to the graphics card and almost like slow it down to, to a halt. So we've come up with other solutions to create balanced light um, uh, that would almost, in a lot of ways, the same way you would set up a, a shot for a movie. You know, you put mm -hmm. some lights around uh, that you want to uh, really emphasize um, that kind of bounce light um, to create the same thing that a global illumination to some extent would do, uh, but not to all the, the level of, of, uh, of uh, taxing on the, uh, on the CPU and the or GPU. I mean, um, and then uh, as far as like the caustics, you know, there's, and the, uh, the uh, particulates, you know, it's, it's, it's really got, there's some really great tools to create your own, 
caustics your own kind of like uh, animated uh, um, uh, you know elements um, and you can even the lights themselves you can you can create your own um, basic uh, you know map or uh, shader that goes on the front of it so it feels like it's actually a, you know a, uh, either a light from um, a, a natural source or one that's from a lamp, you know, so it can kind of give it the kind of the breakout and all that. So all those things are things that we think about when we're moving forward. So we're not just using the tools right out of the box. We're actually starting to look at it and look at what is in nature. How do we, how do we create that thing that's in nature in this, in unreal and then get creative with it. Um, you know, always, I, I always approach things on everything that I do is, is try the easiest thing first. Don't overcomplicate things. Um, and if the easiest thing works, then you're, you're done. Uh, or if it gets you there, you know, 80 or 90%, then you just figure out the rest uh, to get you to that 20 or 10%. Um, but I think that um, that's been my approach from the beginning of, of uh, uh, my career is, is, is why overbuild anything? You know, try to figure out the easiest method to get to point A to point B to achieve what you're trying to achieve. And that's where the scan data comes in really well. That's where... Um, we have these great tools, and also I think that's where I think that's my love for Unreal is because it, I'm not having to wait, you know, by building something and spending all that time building a kind of an interesting sim or something like that, and then rendering it and realizing, no, that didn't work. I can see it in real time to know if it worked or not right away. So, uh, so it's uh, it's you know, I can you know I'm just I, I I just love Unreal and I love the ability and I feel these are just the the beginning. Uh, uh, pioneer days of like what what's to come you know it's uh, as far as uh as, as far as lighting goes and i think it also speaks to the previous topic of, of of realism um if there's anything that will that will be the deal breaker for something looking real or something looking not real um it's how well the scene is lit how well it's all lit. I think I think realism really at the end of the day comes down to lighting because you, you can have the you can have the best materials in the world. You can have the best scan data. You can have everything, but if it's all like if it's all you know more or less overlit or underlit or just like you know the it's just the 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 source doesn't quite you know the source type doesn't work. Maybe it's too hot. Maybe it's not you know, what, whatever it is, if you can, I think one of the biggest things you can do to, to Im improve realism is just understand how light affects the world around you and implement that in Unreal. And I think Unreal has uh, all the tools necessary, even just comes stock with all the tools necessary to be able to make something look, you know, real world lighting scenario, basically, like that's like the best the best thing I could I could say it's got all the tools that come stock for you to be able to create that real world lighting that you're seeing around you. Um, that's that's number that's number one as far as I think realism goes. No, I think that, to that point that Tyler just mentioned that is a uh, lighting is I think key number one. Uh, I think anyone that's trying to create any environment, any any world, any character, anything like that, if your if your lighting is poor and it's not well thought out, uh, it, it will suffer. I think that you can make something that looks you know, that's that's slightly rudimentary if it's well lit it will look stunning and i think totally. that's what i tell i tell a lot of my uh, artists uh, anyone that comes on that that's the key thing you need to learn um in creating uh, anything that we do is under is is understand the basic of light the, the the lighting basics and what makes lighting work uh you know for, and why is it powerful how is it 
for photography, for uh, cinema, but for creature designers that we do, we do all other companies known for. It's like, what makes our creatures look really stunning? This is the way that we light them. So lighting is a very important thing. So I completely concur with uh, Tyler on that. Um, so. Yeah, uh, thanks for that. That was a very elaborate answer to that. So thank you. And I just want to add that maybe in games, for example, like lighting was probably one of the key technologies where most of kind of like the recent breakthroughs were made. And that's why, you know, that's why Unreal is so popular right now with filmmakers, basically. But Unreal also, I think they kind of want to leverage that, that they can provide like very realistic image at the at the end and they are also adding a lot of the basically tools for filmmakers right they have uh, an in-engine tool for cuts of camera and all this stuff mm -hmm. i'm wondering if you can talk a bit about how you've been using it do you like it or like like and how you do like how do you like like this cutting in real time kind of process yeah, I think that yeah, it's interesting. Uh, using the sequencer, which you can cut through uh, using in Unreal, as kind of an editing program. It's also it's sequencers is how you set up your cameras and animate, uh, and um, uh, allows you a lot of flexibility. And you can add as many cameras as you want into a sequencer, which you can, you know, create a um, uh, an edit through that process. There is a, sometimes when we're attempting things, it's definitely a way that I'll I'll start using. Um, some to see like, okay, this is an angle, here's an angle, I can see it all inside Unreal. When we get into the final like real editing, as of right now, we still kind of use some of the outside uh, um, like Premiere, some of the editing programs for and, and render out shots. Um, and part of that reason is just because there's a lot more, some, some of the tools that are in Premiere and some of the other editing programs are a little bit more powerful for the editing aspect of it. Um, and it's easier to actually just render out your, your scenes, but I mean, initial blocking, yes, of course, I, I definitely think it's it's powerful. We do use it uh, for for that for that purpose. Um, yeah, that's yeah, basically it's, it. It's it's pretty intuitive as far as sequencer. It's pretty easy to pick up if you have any sort of if you've ever worked with any sort of you know whether it's keyframe animation or any keyframe uh, work in a in any kind of nonlinear editing you know platform, whether it's Resolve or or uh, you know. Uh, Premiere, Avid, it, it's pretty easy to pick up sequencer. It's more or less the same thing, uh, as far as the as far as the the controls, the basic controls are concerned. So it's definitely intuitive. Setting up cameras is 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 pretty great. Uh, the different uh, lens packages that that they have, you know, you're actually getting a pretty decent representation of what an actual cinema camera looks like. Um, and then you have people now who are going out there actually mapping lenses. Um, you know, so you can have, you know, if you want to shoot on that, on that, you know, cook prime kit, you know, that whole kit's going to be mapped at some point, maybe come available publicly, but, you know, certain, certain DPs or, or, you know, lens owners are going out there and just mapping it themselves and having that data so they can go one-to-one. -one. So if you're shooting live action on a certain, you know, lens set, you can have that same lens set, uh, virtually. Uh, so I think that that's a really interesting technology that's, uh, you know that's that that's coming along, and it'll really make that that transition between live action and 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 virtual pieces uh, really seamless, or at least getting even closer to being seamless. Um, and then uh, and uh, yeah, I think that's that's basically that. I think as far as project management goes, I wouldn't go so far as to say that that 
you know, we'd be, we would feel necessarily fully confident in delivering a final feature film, only editing in the sequencer in uh, in Unreal. I know you can definitely output a lot of great, you know, you could output HDR, you can output so many, uh, you know, super high, high quality images. Um, but I think it more comes down to the scale and size of your project. I think if you're doing like a, you know, modest sequence, you know, putting, you know, a few different shots together to do a cool like trailer cinematic or something, I think that's definitely something that's possible. But uh, to, to deliver a feature, I think it might be difficult to simply for file management uh, and simply just because you have so many different takes and shots and stuff is more organizational than I would say technical. I think sequencers more than capable of being able to edit shots together. You can you can do that. But I think uh, from a project management standpoint, that's where you know using a traditional NLE is where you kind of still need to go. That's actually a very interesting point that you're raising because the project management perspective, the asset kind of the like the, the tools for organizing your assets in the library even these are all the problems that I think are familiar to all the people working in like in film and in games and I know that there are a lot, a lot of startups who are like trying to figure out like new ways to kind of organize all those huge impressive libraries that studios have uh, on board mm -hmm. and so far like most of them failed it seems like because it's <laughs> it's just like too, too big of a task to tackle yeah it can uh, right now it can get huge i mean these, these libraries can get absolutely massive and that's not even including just your exports of your shots you know that's you have all the different pieces that go into the actual scene and then you put on top of that having to have un unreal manage all of your you know editorial mm -hmm. uh files i mean that just gets to be a, a very uh very large basket yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah totally i'm sure the, i'm sure those, those, two, those tools will will get even better and absolutely more, more efficient as time goes these are all like you know the fact that you can do all of this stuff you can pretty much you know tackle a lot of your your stuff in engine is yeah. is, is amazing uh it's just that when you know, think to what tyler's saying for a feature it's like it becomes uh, a bit problematic right now for an entire feature but definitely a sequence of edits you know especially uh, if you're doing virtual production or any of that stuff that you want to just cycle through stuff real quick, then you have the ability to do that uh, right there on the fly. So, guys, thank you for talking about like the the production side of it. But uh, we also want to touch on like what's the future and uh, what are the plans for a dive? Like, where are you going with this project? Like, what do you want to do? When we're gonna see like maybe a bigger version or some new footage? Yeah, well, um, I'll start off and then Tyler can continue. Um, yeah, for sure. So, so part of this is, you know, this was uh, an idea that Tyler and I, you know, we, we uh, have a lot of different IPs that we're creating. We have this, a book that's being published uh, um, uh, in, um, it's a publishing company, 3D Total. It comes out in February based on one of our IPs uh, called Tank. It's kind of like an iron giant. Um, and we're going to turn that into uh, a series, uh, and there's a series of books, um, but an animated series we're hoping to do in Unreal. Uh, and we also have some other games, And but Tyler and I were, were uh, creating a bunch of different, like, um, basically horror, thriller, uh, sci-fi uh, films that can be done at a, a reasonable budget. And this is before the pandemic had, so... Um, yeah. But we were thinking that you know let's let's come up with you know some concepts because we had a bunch of different 
uh, ideas, and a lot of them were very traditional, but we thought, let's try something different and unique. Uh, and now, you know, we started getting into Unreal and figuring out, could, could we do some of these ideas that we're talking about? One of those was, uh, was Dive, but Dive was just a series, and it is a series of a bunch of different thriller films uh, that are all kind of environment-based uh, um, thrillers uh, that are survival films with very small cast. Uh, usually it's people that are... Um, that are everyday people, not to specialize so specialists, so that you feel like the audience can feel like they can identify with those characters um, better. And and, uh, and it's and it was in a, originally it was a format that we were going to try to do in IMAX, um, but it's evolved into like you know a two hour uh, for each uh, of these. But we have another one after Dive, which is called Woods, and uh, and then Sands, and then continuing. But they're all different environments and with characters, and there's always a creature. Uh, and these are just the beginning of, uh, of uh, you know, a series of IPs that we're creating. Um, but uh, Tyler will continue with, you know, kind of where we're going with it. Yes. So, uh, so yeah, Dive is Dive is the first, and as as Aaron was saying, Dive's a Dive's the first in the series of three uh, films that we have uh, going right now. Um, we're in pre-production on Dive. Um, you know, we're going through the previs, and we're gonna. Our goal is to previs the entire film. Uh, month, a few months in advance so we can understand what we're going to go shoot. Then we're going to go shoot our live action elements and see if we can take, I, I don't know if it's necessarily the first time, but we, we think it is it's certainly the way that, that we're going about it. We're, we're going to look to pre the whole movie in Unreal and then take as much of that pre to final pixels uh, at, and then deliver that. So what we're going to looking to do is, yeah, pre the whole thing, shoot the live action pieces that we need and then plus up the previs to the point where we can deliver final VFX, final pixels, all having done it all in engine, and uh, and then be able to bounce that out and, and and deliver it to the to the world and create a whole different uh, whole different way of making making movies, making feature films in Unreal. Uh, so that's the that's the goal from a technical standpoint. From a creative standpoint, Dive is a you know average everyday people on the on a on a diving trip that just takes a very uh strange turn and they have they come face to face with uh with with a, with a creature that could very well exist there's so much of the ocean that is unmapped there is so much of you know the subterranean world that is unmapped so it's a it's like a grounded uh environmental thriller um uh where uh, these people have to face off and try to survive a uh, survive the environment and survive the monster that inhabits it, and that's the through line throughout this whole series of movies that we're building. Um, you know, average everyday people out there in in beautiful nature uh, end up in a survival situation, and they have to survive the uh, the natural world and the creature that inhabits it. And what you can expect is something that is beautiful to look at. It is. Uh, at times horrifying, at times funny, at times heartwarming. Um, they're kind of the goal is entertainment, and to basically give give people that can give people entertainment that they can enjoy, um, and uh, you know not have to not have to go basically not have to go to the movies and like feel so feel sad. You know, we're not trying to. The amount of times going go into a movie theater, you know, you, you you know, life's life's hard enough. You go into a movie theater, and then it becomes you know a bit of a downer when you're in there. 
you know, we're, you know, there's a, there's definitely a time and a place, and they're amazing creative uh, people doing those films. We uh, have a bit more of a uh, a different take on what, like, on what we'd like to offer the industry. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I mean, uh, you can just watch some modern Russian Russian cinema and then be depressed yeah. for the rest of your life. Hey, I I, But... I love Tarkovsky. So. Yeah. Um, so, guys, you mentioned the uh, movie theaters. So, I'm. I guess, like, one of the final questions is, how do you want to distribute the film? So, do you want to go like a traditional way and sell it to studios, or do you want to do something online, or do you want to go to Netflix or something? Like, what's what's a good way to kind of like try and distribute something like experimental and interesting I'd, like that? I'd say, I'd say, right now. Um, kind of where we're at the the theatrical theatrical releases right now i think we just saw with tenant uh and that's with the weight of a massive studio and them really wanting that movie to work i think uh what we saw is that is uh right now it's still uncertain what that what that window is going to deliver um so i am a firm believer in the theatrical experience i think it's you know for movies like the ones we're making The whole the original in, intention was for it to be experienced on the biggest screen and the loudest sound system possible, right? To kind of give you that, to give you that experience, and you just it's very difficult to to replace that outside of the theater. So, um, you know, we're kind of tracking the you know a, a theatrical release and seeing kind of how things are going. It will this movie will most likely be be distributed, uh, you know, through streaming, whether it's through, you know. A marquee streaming service, or you know, through you know, VOD, SVOD. Um, so we'll we'll kind of see, but we're looking for a digital release as of right now, just so we can so we can get it in in front of people, uh, as many people as we can, and then uh, looking for uh, a theatrical window as, as soon as it becomes uh, you know, as soon as the time's right, more or less. And yeah, Aaron, you have uh, something out there. Yeah, no, I think Tyler's kind of completely right. It is, it is, uh, you know, it's it's un, unknown as far as uh, the theater uh, surviving uh, this this pandemic we're going through. So, and we want people to see this. There may be a time later that uh, it is we distribute. It's distributed, uh, um, you know, uh, um, streaming, and then later if it's successful, it becomes theatrical. We'll see. That's that's stuff. But but when it comes down to it, we're we're maintaining all IP control in all scenarios on all of this. So we're not we're not necessarily going to a major studio to ever deliver this. I don't think we um, we're not abandoning that idea, but our our focus is on our properties are to create or and have creative control throughout the, this process and kind of prove a new way of making movies uh, and have a you know a fun experience for everybody. You know, so I think that um, it is early days, and the more that we, you know, we um, we have information, we'll definitely let that, you know, everybody know what we're, how we're releasing it, where it's being released. Uh, um, but uh, but it, it will be released for sure. I can guarantee you that. As a matter of fact, it's in the process right now of all that stuff getting worked out. So that's that's exciting, and we're looking, we're still looking. I think at, for next year, two thousand twenty-one. We don't know exactly what time next year, but it will be 21, I think. It's in some form or fashion, it will be released. Awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming today for our podcast. For everyone listening, uh, please click the description. There will be links there so you can go check out the, a little snippet of the future project and check out the website. And yeah, 
thank you so much for joining us and hope the project will work out and everything's gonna and we'll be able to join you in the movies and see it like and not sit in our homes like yes yeah, let's hope so <laughs> thanks Karel. i appreciate yeah. your time thank, thank you, you so much guys see ya take care bye-bye thanks for enjoying another episode of the 80 level roundtable podcast Check out upcoming episodes on the 80 Level website at 80.lv. Join our career site at 80.lv slash RFP. And share our podcast with friends and on your social networks.